Hey, everybody. Welcome to the She Can and She Did podcast, where we talk with groovy ladies who are kicking ass and taking names both in their professional lives and their personal lives. I am your host, Kelly Roberts, and today's episode is an extra beautiful one because I got to sit down with my incredibly influential and talented illustrator gal pal, Leah Gorin. Leah's worked with companies and brands like Anthropology, Nike Women, The New York Times Bando, Penguin Random House, and Urban Outfitters to name a few of her long list of partners. She is also the author of this incredible book called Besties and the co-author of Ladies Drawing Night. Today, we're talking everything from what it means to find success in your art at such a young age, uh, what role the internet and social media played as a role in her career, education in the arts, and we talk what it's like to be your own boss and what advice Leah has for aspiring artists and creatives. But before we get into the episode, I want to take a second to hype the sponsor of this episode. It's Squarespace. Squarespace is the website hosting platform that's not only helping people amplify their voices, but it's making it possible for anyone from a business owner, artist, aspiring podcaster to have a professional and groovy website that they can be very, very proud of. If you're looking to make a website, use offer code SHEDID to save 10% on your personal domain address and website. Offer code SHEDID. Use your voice. Take a chance on yourself. Use that code to save some money and make your next website on Squarespace. Their templates are incredible. I say that because I use Squarespace and have been using Squarespace since the inception of my blog almost five years ago. And if someone as untech savvy (laughs) as me can find a lucrative career blogging with Squarespace, (laughs) anyone can. So use offer code she did, Squarespace, do it, do it, do it, end of ad. All right. Because Leah is one of my grooviest lady friends, I convinced her to multitask and paint with me while we recorded this episode. And being able to watch Leah create is mesmerizing. And even though she makes it look absolutely effortless, it's a really great reminder that though talented, she is incredibly talented. She's put in a lot of work to get to where she's at. So without any further ado, enjoy our painting session. So I put the whole brush thing out so that you can pick your own brushes, pick your own brushes. rather than me tell you what to do. Choose your destination. I don't think there's anything that you should do. It's all just whatever you feel like. Leah, um, speaking of brushes, can you yeah. introduce yourself? Oh, yeah. Okay. My name is Leah Gorin. I'm an illustrator. I've known Kelly since high school. Yes, you have. And I live in Brooklyn, and that's kind of all there is to it. But you're not just an illustrator. You're fascinating because I'm going to say humbly as someone who knows you and watches your work that you've, I would argue that you have influenced an entire style of upcoming artists. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. I think Absolutely. I, you go to like I mean, H&M and, your, and stuff that looks like your work. Yeah, but it's not, ju- it's not just me. It's like me and a whole group of young women or even some older women like, I don't know, Myra Kalman or Leanne Shapton who are very painterly and use bright colors and are kind of loose. I think that's just kind of the style right now. So yes, I do it. And I like to think that some of what I do is unique, but at the same time, there's a lot of overlap. What is an illustrator? An illustrator is someone who makes, for the most part, commercial, probably representational artwork. It's pr- 
probably designed to be mass-produced. It's for everybody. It's not in a gallery, I don't think. I mean, you can put illustration in a gallery, but that's not what I do, and I don't, I don't think that really fits the definition as well. It's something that's in a magazine, it's in a newspaper, you can go buy it at the store. It's an image that tells a story or just communicates a feeling, or maybe it's just decorative, like maybe I just paint some flowers on a vase and that's cool too, and that can be illustration. So today we are painting. This is really a selfish reason for me to come over and paint with you, Leah. (laughs) I'm gonna just give you some colors that you might want. So like, here's some red. So excited. We talked about this earlier, but I gave, I gave Kelly my palette that I use every day just because it's kind of less intimidating to have a dirty palette, I think. <laughs> like, this is like, this is, this is a lot to just start from, but there you can just kind of dig in and feel like you don't have to worry about getting it messy, and I mean, I can show you, like, the way I use gouache, it's water-based, the way it works is you can just start adding, you can just start adding water to things oh and, like, gosh. moving it around and, like, there's some green in there. So when you're re-adding water, it's gonna be a little more watery. But like this red that I just gave you, you'll still wanna add a bunch of water to that, but that'll be like nice and thick. And that black I was using earlier cause I was just painting with black all day. How would you describe your art to someone who maybe has never seen it before? Colorful, loose. The things I like at least are loose. Sometimes I have to paint a little bit tighter depending on the style that's required yeah. in the assignment. I think it's very feminine. How often do you work on stuff just for you compared to how you need to like work? Not as often as I would like to. I bought some acrylic paints a few weeks ago thinking like I'm gonna make some big paintings now and I have not opened them yet. But I do go to ceramics once a week and that is one thing that I do just for myself. Even though I do sell my pieces, it's not, it's not dictated by what anyone else wants aside from what I feel like making. You grew up surrounded by art and someone who's educated and understands not only what she's doing technically, but yeah, the way she's, she's trying to convey a specific feeling, objective, anything onto whatever it is that she's doing. What was that like? Talk about your mom and what that was like growing up with. Um, I mean... At the time, I don't think I had too much perspective on what it is she does and her influence on me just because I was a kid and it was what I was living. But I mean, we did all sorts of projects together. Yeah. We'd paint like big canvases in the backyard and we're like painting my bed frame and my bike, painting my bike with enamel paint when I was really young. And I mean, that had a huge influence on me. I think it took me to like being in high school to be able to look at the work that she had done when she was younger. And now, I had this realization last week actually because at my apartment, we're not at my apartment right now, but my friend Diwa came over and she, I had some of my mom's prints on the wall and she was like, how old was she when she did those prints? And I knew they were from, I think 1977 because they were signed and dated, but I thought about it and I was like, holy shit, she was like 24 or 25 years old then. She was younger than I am now making work that I think is better than anything I've ever done. (laughs) And I don't know, that was kind of crazy to now think that I'm like getting into a part of my life at the very old age of 29 where there, I don't know, there's just years 
behind me. Let's rewind to you you graduating from high school, because this yeah. is where I think is the most interesting. You went to school here in New York. Yeah. And then you moved home. Yeah. And you took a minute to figure out what you wanted to do. Yeah. Why and what was that like? Well, I moved home because I had an eating disorder and I needed to go have treatment. So it wasn't exactly a professional decision. Uh-huh. It was also the right decision for my life and ultimately for my career. Even though I never really thought about like, oh, how am I going to, what's my career going to be? How am I going to do this to make money? I never thought about that. I just thought like, really? this, this is what I want to do. And I don't know. I'm young. I'll figure it out. You moved to LA and started, you went to school in LA for, for one year. Yeah. So after I lived in San Diego for a year after I was done with treatment, I just like worked uh-huh. and kind of like got my life started again. And then I moved to LA and I went to this school called Otis. But I always knew I wanted to come back to New York just because it was something that I don't want to say failed at because that implies failure, clearly. Yeah. It wasn't a failure. It was just like I need to get back and do that over again because I have this feeling that that's where I should be. So I went to school in LA for a year to kind of still be close to home and figure out what the next step is. And then I transferred to Parsons. How old were you when you came back to New York? I was 20. I remember I hadn't turned 21 yet. That's how I remember. (laughs) But that gives you such a different head on your shoulders. Do you think you felt different going into school at 20 than your classmates did? I think so. I mean, even when I was in L.A., I was, there was definitely a different feeling having, especially like been through a ton of therapy and done a lot of work by myself and feeling like I had a grasp of where I wanted to be, even though I didn't really know what I wanted my career to be at that point at all. When I think about that time, like I don't remember anything from high school or like that age. But I do, like, vividly remember you being very similar to how you are now and very expressive and constantly creating. Well, part of it I got from my mom, and then when I was a little older, I think when I, the summer, the summer after I was a sophomore, and then before I was a senior, I did this pre-college program at California College of the Arts. It was for high schoolers where you go live in Oakland for a month and you take a couple classes at the college and then... You know, you have all your free time to explore Oakland and San Francisco and be around these kids from all over the country who have the same interests as you. And that's, that's like, what made me feel like, okay, this is where I want to be. Yeah, yeah. Are, a lot of these people are the kinds of people I want to be around. When you, when you were, you know, middle school, high school, mm-hmm. even college, like, were you able to be like, I'm actually pretty good at this? I think so, yeah. I mean, I think when I was in high school, I didn't have much basis for comparison, or at least everything was still so exploratory Mm -hmm. that it was really more just for me. I wasn't yet like, oh, am I better than this other person in my class or not? It was more like I'm... (laughs) I'm just brooding in my room making self-portraits, and that's, and that's cool, too. At what point did you realize that you wanted to go into illustration? So my first year of school at Otis, it's called foundation year. So it's really just you're learning technical drawing and you're learning color theory. 
and there's a 3D class. It's kind of the fundamentals. It sets you up for finding things that you may, might not have known you're interested in, materials mm -hmm. that maybe you've never worked with. And then after that is when you pick your major. So I went in thinking, I want to do fashion, and I went out thinking, I really love drawing. I had no idea I was good at drawing like this. I was really into figure drawing. We learned, we had to like draw the skeleton for six months before we really? were even allowed to draw the figure. And a lot of people really hated it, but uh, it, it wasn't something that ever occurred to me that I might be good at. And I just really, really liked it. So, and then the girls who were in fashion, I was like, ah, these are not the kind of people I want to hang out with. Even though I knew it would maybe be a little different in New York than no, LA. It's nothing like against anybody and what they want to do with their life. It just didn't, it didn't seem like, a, a crowd that I fit into. So you came back to New York. Yeah. How do you choose your schools? Well, I knew I wanted to go back to Parsons just because I had come from Parsons. But I think like going to CCA, like I mentioned, I learned a lot about different art schools from the teachers and the kids who were in class around me. There were some kids there who went to high schools that were focused on the arts and they had drawing classes in school every day for like three hours and they were so so good and they just knew like these are the these are the like six schools that yeah, you should yeah. apply to like Micah and Maryland or RISD or in New York there's Pratt, Parsons and SVA and I mean I don't really know how I made my decision I was really young so it wasn't based on anything yeah <laughs> Did you ever have any professors who totally and completely just changed your outlook and teach you things that just made you like see yourself differently or your art differently? Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything profound. There was no like Oprah moment. speech moment. <laughs> but I had teachers, some teachers that I really, really liked that I'm still friends with. And however many years later, like, they were probably my age now when they were teaching me in school, like Josh Cochran. That's just one name that I always say when people ask me this question because, like, I see him all the time. He's, like, yeah. he's a cool guy, and he, he really encouraged me. I think it was maybe his first year teaching, and he just told me things like, go get this certain kind of brush. You should, like, try these different exercises. And I remember he would always be like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> and I knew he was probably lying, <laughs> but it's only funny now because he was right that like it, it was okay, but probably for a lot of other people it wasn't okay. I don't know. So I, I just think about that. He, he was really encouraging and he still is. When you were getting ready to graduate, what did you like, what was going through your head? Did you have any idea how to make money? Well, I had an Etsy shop though. By the time I graduated, I was actually making money off of the shop and that was my living. So I wasn't, it, I knew it wasn't something that I wanted to do forever, but it was something that I was doing then that really supported me. How did that start? Did that start literally as something that you liked to create things and then you saw that you could make money doing it? Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't even really about the money. It was just that I wanted to make things and it kind of wasn't enough to just have these assignments in school that were hypothetical. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make something real. So mm -hmm. I, that's why I got into surface pattern because I could print something on fabric. I could sew it. I could make this actual thing. And then 
I'm not just gonna keep all the stuff I'm making. I might as well sell it. Oh, I mean, it was kind of like flipping clothing, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? I wouldn't. I wouldn't just make clothes and like sewn stuff. I would. I would sell prints sometimes, or like see what I could get images printed onto. Like I made those little like mirrors that were printed on one side as a mirror on the other side at some point, or or sell like original paintings. I don't know pieces. How did you promote I don't yourself? Know. Did people really oh, just find you I, like, I, organically? I didn't, but it was also it was also a time like 2012. There was blogs. There was like fashion bloggers. Yeah, yeah. And now there's kind of just Instagram. But people used to look at Blogspot, or they used to look at I don't know, like people's websites where they would like go do a photo shoot. In MySpace. They would go do like a whole photo shoot of themselves and then post all these images. Or they would have it would be like an inspiration design blog and. They, I, I mean, I know that stuff still exists, and maybe just because I don't look at it doesn't mean it's not relevant anymore. But it would be like the, like five things on Etsy, like I must have now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And there are a lot of blogs yeah. that were really popular. Yeah. So that I that was kind of all it took at the time, and then from there. Like actual companies saw my work, and I started working with anthropology just from. How soon out of co college did you? Book yeah, it came that out. First? The, the first project I did was in summer 2011. No, no, sorry, 2012. 12. But that was the year that I graduated. So I started working on that maybe a year before I graduated because the lead times are so high. Yeah. Sometimes I do projects and they don't come out for like two years. Well, I mean, what was that like to have anthropology come to you so soon? It was really cool. Was that like totally yeah. surreal and just yeah. like bananas? Yeah, it's much cooler than it is now because once you do something so many times, it's not the same. It's just my job now. I, I, I mean, I love working with them. It's really, really great working oh, for totally them. Don't get me be. wrong. They give me so much freedom and it's always exactly the kind of stuff that I would want to be making by myself anyways. What was that experience like? Like, how did, What did they come to you and say, that first one? Well, they were doing these uh, capsule collections of apparel with different designers. And now when I work for them, it's only home, which is mm. cool too. But I think they were just looking for people who no one really knew who they were yet, at least in a mainstream sense. What was negotiating that deal like? Uh... I mean, you know how it goes. Like, they email you and they say, like, we have this much money for this. Do you want to do it? No, mine never tell me that. They say, would you be interested? And they wait for me to throw out a number. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Which is hard because... No, that's true. I guess it's like that half the time. But this was, this was like, they knew, they knew exactly how much it was going to be. And, like, when anthropology comes to me, they always have a set amount for a project. A lot of times people do ask me what, what my budget is, and then mm -hmm. that's a little trickier because I don't know if anyone ever really knows the answer to that question. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll email my friends who do the same thing as me or, like, teachers that I'm friends with. So and, you reach out to people. Yeah, if, if, I, if I really don't know, yeah. Do you ever, like, feel intimidated giving a number? Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time. And I feel like it's kind of being a woman because I've – heard for a lot of similar things like what certain men get paid and maybe they're more famous maybe they have more clout but I've heard like crazy numbers for stuff from men that I would like never have the gall to charge like $15,000 to go sit in your store and draw for two hours I would never do that what do you do when you're when you're doubting your worth I think I just have to decide if a, a project is worth it or not for me 
that's kind of my method now because it's really difficult to know what to charge sometimes and it it can be nerve-wracking to ask for too much because you're like what if they say no then I'm just gonna lose this whole project that I really want to work on yeah so there's definitely a kind of a juggle there but now I like sometimes I get like really low numbers for things and I'll still do some things if they seem fun or if I have nothing else to do and it's like okay this is worth my time because it might be kind of easy and I might get a cool image out of this but I kind of just go with my gut and sometimes I say no to things but that cat lady print was ended up being kind of a bummer because you got ripped off by everyone yeah what was that like yeah it's it's aggravating but I try to be more zen about it now because I know it just happens all the time and I don't know I guess I was kind of defeated with that and there wasn't anything that I could do about it and going forward now if something like that does happen to me again I don't know because that was like a pretty specific print that was knocked off exactly by tons of different companies. It wasn't just, like, to, to describe it, it wasn't like you would see a cat and be like, that's a cat. It was very stylized. Yeah. It very was, much, like... It was, like, the exact shape and the texture to it. But it's okay. It was a long time ago. And now I try to think, like, okay, if... It is a if there's If there's something that is happening this often with this image, maybe it's just time for the next thing. Maybe it's not cool anymore, and now I'll just go and make... Too mainstream. I'll go and make something different that's better. Social media has played a huge, giant role in your career. Yes. At what point did you start to see Instagram as a business instead of just a way to express yourself? Mm, It was probably, like, around the point where I felt like I didn't have privacy anymore. Like, I don't want to be posting photos of my life because like I don't know who all these strangers are and I don't I don't want to be sharing things that are too personal and I don't really do that anymore actually do you ever feel like on social media judging or like trying to jump between you as Leah uh-huh. versus your art how do you choose I mean it's so easy to overshare or yeah. fall into the trap of you don't really know what you're sharing until you start sharing. How do you choose what parts of yourself you share and what you don't share? Uh, I, I think I just post little moments or drawings that I like that there could, there could be details to it that are personal, but I really never tell a full story. And I think it's personal. Like I know a lot of people who, like probably you're one of them who talk a lot about their lives on social media and it's, can be really therapeutic and it can be really helpful to you and your followers. But I just kind of came to a place where that wasn't something that I was comfortable with. Well, no, honestly, like I find it refreshing because I didn't, I don't think I understood what I was doing when I started sharing Mm -hmm. and I'm someone who was always so closed off. So I went from like one end of the spectrum to like talking and I had to find yeah. boundaries and find my rules and like what do I share and what don't I share and I find yeah. it so refreshing to have and I think it might be because we're older yeah you know that we don't feel the need to constantly open up about everything because I've now found myself like for a long time I was sitting there being like well I'm an open book I did this to myself and I was like that yeah. is not the case no you, you're I am allowed. not you're an open book <laughs> yeah yeah I, but I had to learn that and I almost wonder like what would it would it have been like had I back then known that I like could have 
picked and chose like what I talked about when. So I find it super refreshing to know that like you don't, just because you're someone who has an online presence Mm -hmm. and your work lives online Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you have to live online. Yeah. And I think it's really, really cool that you do that. And part of me, part of me thinks like, oh, maybe if I did something like that, it could be helpful. There was one time I wrote an essay for some website with an illustration about some more personal experiences. And there was a really, really great outreach. Like, people were really, really nice to me from that. Yeah. And maybe it did help some people to read that. But at the same time, I just really don't like being in the spotlight. I think that's maybe just my personality. Yeah. I can't even imagine how people have weddings because I just wouldn't want a bunch of people looking at me all dressed up. So that's just the kind of person I am. And I'm doing this now because I love you and I would have never said no to... I don't really, I don't really care that much. It's just if, I, like if I'm in control of... If and when I'm in control of my own content, I will often not go too much into detail about anything personal. I respect that. And I think it's important. I think it's really important for people to know that like they don't just because we have the luxury that we can share yeah. everything doesn't mean that we should. And that might be something I'm saving for my work one day. Yeah. So I don't want to give too much away. Do you when you were like getting started, like how'd you grow your Instagram following? Were you even cognizant of the fact that it could be a no, thing? No, that was another thing I didn't think. The same way I didn't think about like my career yeah. in school, I I never thought about that. I mean, I got Instagram at the very, very beginning. Yeah. And I think I went to the mall and got an iPhone 4. I went to Fashion Valley. <laughs> in San Diego. <laughs> in San Diego. And then I made an Instagram account back when like you had to leave those borders on. And oh, yeah. So it was kind of a different time. At what point did you start to see that Instagram could be helpful to growing your online presence and giving um, you clout? I think, I think I just kind of naturally gravitated towards posting drawings anyways. I, at the very beginning, it was like, this is all of my life. This yeah. is like... You know, you go back and look at someone's first post and it's like, it's like a bag of oranges on a counter. <laughs> <laughs> or like... Double chins because you didn't know you're taking a picture of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so I would, I would never do that now, but still like some the like, things that were important for me to want to share was the work that I made. And just over time, that's what ended up getting a big response. So... I kept doing that. Has anyone ever, like, have you ever had anyone not be that, like, celebratory of what you've posted and critique you or, like, bash you or drag you? I think there have been, like, a couple who are, like, you can't post, like, nude women because that's not appropriate. The female figures are, like, pretty prominent in your work. But, I mean, the reason that I started drawing so much of that, like, everyone always asks me this question. They're like, is it, is this, like, your feminist Are you making stance? a statement? Yeah, like... Why is it that you choose to like portray so like women. like so many different body types like as if I mean I know there's like fashion illustration and everybody has their own style and there's probably some people who just like draw skinny people or yeah. probably some people who just draw like I don't know it's like a certain race of people but <laughs> <laughs> I I never really thought of it in that way it really just comes from my love of figure drawing yeah. and I think 
the fact that I am a woman. It's just, it's kind of second nature. I didn't have to like choose to make a stance about anything. I just want to be drawing these things because it's okay with me. So why not? What do you, are you like conscious of how you want women and men and people in general to feel when they look at your illustrations and your art? Um, I think so. I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty self-critical. And a lot of the times I do things where I'm like, this isn't how I want my work to be. And I'm not always given that choice because I have to do things for assignments sometimes. Uh And it just, it just is what it is. But then there'll be certain pieces that do mean something to me. And I'll think like, okay, this is, this is what I want my work to be. But I don't, I don't really get to pick and choose that because I have to make money. Yeah. And Do you ever find yourself like having to make something that you don't exactly, that you don't feel like super duper proud of? That, but that, you know. Like, oh yeah, all the time. Really? <laughs> yeah, all the time. How do you deal with that? You just move on and make something else. It's okay. Like I said, I have to make money. That's not, I think that was the most, not, not past tense. It still is for me. Like that's the hardest thing for me to have to like wrestle with yeah. is putting stuff out that I don't always believe in or that I don't always like feel like are the greatest representation of me because it's just like so closely tied to me. Do you feel like your art yeah. is closely tied to you or do you feel like for the most part, some of your stuff is just work? Uh, no, I mean, it's all closely tied to me because I, don't, I, it's, I think it'd be hard to make a drawing that's not personal. Yeah. It's something, it's something that I created. Yeah. I would imagine that a lot of people feel like that about what they make, even if it's not artwork, even if they're making Cooking an app food. or something. Yeah, yeah, or making food. I think it feels like because I drew something with my hand that... Like, maybe I'm the only one who could have drawn this thing. That's probably not true a lot of the time. But but that also doesn't mean that I like every single thing that I do. That that would probably be too much to ask. But if I did, there'd probably be a problem. I probably wouldn't, like, want to push myself to do more. Do you ever struggle, like, when jobs come to you, be it getting, like, finding inspiration or getting motivated when you have to pump things out? Uh... I would say no, because I'm not a procrastinator, and if I have to do something, I have to do it, even if it's not very fun. Mm-hmm. Working on something to do tomorrow is not very fun, but <laughs> that's okay. I'm just doing it because I'm always on time. Yeah. But that's just one of my personality traits. I think for the most part now, I have a system, and I know exactly how I'm going to execute something before I do it. What's your favorite project you've ever worked on? Ever. Besties. Um, Ladies Drawing Night. <laughs> Thanks for giving me suggestions. I'm giving you my favorites. <laughs> Besties is my favorite. Well, thank you. I think that was a really fun process. It was something that I didn't think I could do. I mean, I knew I could. What, put putting out a book? book? Yeah, I mean, I knew I could do it because I had a contract and a deadline. And when you have those things, you have to do it. But I had never made that many pieces before that were all on one topic, and I uh, never made a whole book before. So. What was that like? Was, Whose idea was it? It was the editor's idea, actually. Like, she had this idea that she needed the... She didn't have any content for it. She knew she wanted something about best friendship. Mm-hmm. It would be in a certain style. It would be kind of gift booky. But 
what would that look like? They needed their right illustrator to bring onto this project that could have a voice behind it. Mm -hmm. And I guess I just ended up being that person. But I think it was a really fun first book to do. I don't know if I'm going to do another book yet, uh-huh. but who knows what's going to happen. How did the story come about? Did, did you give the story? Did she give the story? Was it collaborative? No, I, I wrote it, and I wrote it with the help of a friend named Hallie Bateman, who is a really incredible illustrator and writer who lives in L.A. now. But she, I think she actually was living in L.A. when we worked on this, but we would just, like, come up with ideas individually, and then we'd... Skype or like Gchat and just kind of put things together and the style is meant to be very loose so that you can kind of open to any page and just read what's going on it's not one story from start to finish yeah how do you think your work and your art your illustrations everything has changed over the last 10 years 10 years wow I think, I don't know, I think as time goes on, I have an idea of what I want my work to look like and what I want it to be, and I hope that I just get a little closer to making it look like it is in my head. What's next? Like, what are you most excited about maybe in, like, 2018? Most excited about? I, I want to be more excited about doing personal work, really. It's, it's hard to think of a commercial assignment that would give me the same kind of feeling as, I mean, maybe if I did another book, I don't know what it would be about, but I would really just like to be doing more, more drawing from life, like paintings from my life that are just for me, that like I'll probably post on Instagram, but that's beside the point. What do you think is the most important thing for someone who maybe loves art and loves to paint, draw? create, do ceramics, whatever, and is starting to think this is something I might be able to do as a job, as a career, as a profession, as something that I just might be able to do a side hustle on. Like, what's the most important thing for them to know? I don't know. It's really difficult because most people aren't going to make it. Like, I hate to be cynical, but it's hard to make money. It's hard for me to make money. It's hard. I think that if you want to do something like this, you should just do it because you like it just to do it and then maybe you'll end up being able to use some of that for work work yeah but it's it's too hard to tell anybody to just count on this as a career like that's what drives me crazy about Oprah is she's like, <laughs> sorry I'm dragging thinking, Oprah I'm thinking, are we <laughs> no, I'm just kidding but I was thinking about that because she's just like do the, she's like, do the work that's in your soul. And, like, someone just has to do all the other work, too. Not everybody get like has the luxury. It's kind of a luxury. It's to, absolutely a luxury. And it's hard To be able to, like, do, do everything just on a whim. But I don't know. I mean, I still, like, I make ceramics just for fun. I do a lot of things that are just for fun. And to me, the things that are most important are not always the things that I'm selling or that I'm sharing with people. So maybe that's what Oprah means by that, actually. So sorry. All right, we get it, Oprah. <laughs> Run for president. Do you do you like? Have you ever doubted whether or not this was going to be something that you can stick with because it's just so hard? And do you still continue to doubt? Oh, all the time. I think, I think everybody who works freelance, yeah. no matter what their career this is, is in in freelance, yeah, you're like, oh, this is the last one. I don't, I'm done. I don't have anything this month, so hate, it must. I hate everything. It must be over. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that's 
unique to me, but. Could you imagine your, your life without this part of your life? No, <laughs> I can't do anything else. Leah, this has been the best ever, mostly because I'm just this like so fun. grateful that I got to do this avocado. So, I'm so happy about this. Well, look, I just drew you drawing the avocado. I'm just like amazed at how, I mean, you had a, an amazing career so far and you're still so young. I can't wait to see what's next. Thank you, Kelly. I feel now that I'm like almost 30, even though I just had my birthday, I feel like I'm about to be old. Really? I kind of feel old too. But I also feel 12, so like it's yeah, a double-edged it's sword. It's the same thing, yeah. Do you ever stop and like celebrate yourself for how far you've come and be like, I have a lot to be proud of? No, or you just keep but that's why I invite you over to, <laughs> to bring me wine and, <laughs> and make me reflect. Sing your praises. Yeah. <laughs> you have so much to be proud of, though. You don't stop and you're like, fuck, I'm doing, I'm doing it. Well, thank you. It's exciting. I don't know. I, I have a lot of things going on in my head. I do. Lee Gorin. Signing off. This has been the best. Mostly because I have this avocado that I can brag about for the rest of my life. For more information about Leah and to see examples of her illustrations, you can find her at leahgorin.com. That's L-E-A-H-G-O-R-E-N.com. Or you can find her on Instagram at Gorin. That's L-E-A-H-R-E-E-N-A-G-O-R-E-N. And ladies, check out her book, Besties. I'll link to it in the show notes below along with her website and Instagram. But, you know, that book, Besties, is honestly my favorite thing. It's a celebration of everything that's empowering female friendship. And before we go, one final reminder that we all have something to offer. Maybe it's your voice, your art, or your business. But if you're looking to create a space to showcase your newest venture, make your next website on the sponsor of this episode of the podcast. It's Squarespace. Making a website used to be a pain in the ass that made you want to bang your head against a wall. No more. Squarespace has made the entire process of creating a website absolutely painless. And regardless of what what technological or creative level you're at, uh, you're bound to end up with a website that you can be very proud of. So take a chance on yourself. Use your voice. Breathe life into your vision. Use offer code SHEDID to save 10% on your purchase of website and personal domain address. That's offer code SHEDID. Use it. Do it. Take that leap of faith, my friends. It starts with that first step. And actually, one more thing. If you are enjoying the She Can and She Did podcast, will you do us a huge favor? We will love you forever if you'd take a second to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. I know it sounds silly, but those ratings and reviews are incredibly helpful in helping us spread the word about the show. So we appreciate you for doing that. Take a second. Go just leave a quick review, maybe some thoughts. Give us five stars. We love you for doing that. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.